All right. Well, uh, this is the final session for Respectable Sins. We started about mid-fall, and uh, Paul taught probably first half, maybe even a little more than the first half, which I was really grateful for. Um, I think it's been very, very edifying for our family, and uh, hopefully for you, that's the prayer. And uh, this is the wrap-up session. So uh, today, really, we're just going to spend some time. I'm going to kind of do a really quick review, um, and then we'll spend some time discussing, sharing with each other how how have we been doing with this? Uh, you know, how have we been battling? What have we learned? Um, and then we'll kind of conclude with some wrap-up thoughts, and uh, that's the plan for today. So. <clears throat> There is the outline where we've been. So I'll give a brief summary because I know uh, every not everyone's been here all the sessions. So we'll do kind of a recap on the last half uh, where we are. This is where I want the bulk of our talk today to be. How has God's word changed our thinking and our battling in these sins? And then where do we go from here? How can we encourage each other in these truths going forward? Because obviously our battle with sin doesn't stop as the respectable sin session stops. Uh, it's a lifelong pursuit of Christ-likeness. So I, I realize this is a long quote, uh, but I do think it's good because it gives some teeth to, we, we've always come back to the gospel. We've always started in the gospel with these sessions for good purpose. Uh, this is a quote from Milton Vincent, uh, his little book, The Gospel Primer, which I think is very helpful thinking through how the gospel transforms us in many avenues of life. So he says, As long as I am stricken with the guilt of my sins, I'll be captive to them and will often find myself recommitting the very sins about which I feel most guilty. The devil is well aware of this fact. He knows that if he can keep me tormented by sin's guilt, he can dominate me with sin's power. The gospel, however, slays sin at this root point and thereby nullifies sin's power over me. The forgiveness of God made known through the gospel liberates me from sin's power because it liber liberates me first from its guilt. And preaching such forgiveness to myself is a practical way of putting the gospel into operation as a nullifier of sin's power in my life. And this is really taken from Romans 6.14. In fact, pastor preached on it really recently um, about being a slave to a new master. And we are no longer a slave to the power of sin. And so I think just really encasing our battle with sin in this is, is so important because it's easy as believers to get dragged down by the guilt of sin as we target these specific sins that we're going to really hone in on. Uh, it's so important to always come back to this. We are forgiven. Uh, we, are, we are Romans 8.1. Uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that should encourage us to battle, right? It's what we heard this morning. It's not a freedom to pursue whatever we want. It's a freedom to pursue Christ-likeness. And that's beautiful. Uh, so two more quotes, and then we'll get into some recap. Um, Jerry Bridges says, and I'm about to show a list of everything we've gone over, and he encourages us, as we look at this list, just continue to ask God to open your eyes to sins. Maybe you've been tolerating there's no substitute for humility and honest confession of our sin as a first step to dealing with it. So he talks about the importance of recognizing this first. Exposing our sin has been a big theme, right? Uh, we get it out in the open, uh, into God's word. That's where we are able to kill it, right? It's, it doesn't thrive in the light. 
And then uh, Thomas Watson, I really like this quote, as the Puritans often talked about having a, uh, a favorite sin. So they would talk about a beloved sin. And I think there is a lot of truth to this. Uh, I think if we examine our own hearts and we're kind of cross-examining uh, ourselves, there's probably a, a predominant or a favorite sin that we kind of come back to. And they, they have a litmus test, uh, the Puritans, that is, um, and this is one of them, to figure out your favorite sin. Well, what sin dominates your thoughts, greets you in the morning? That's your predominant sin. Or um, another thing they talk about is perhaps, uh, you know, what do you make excuses for? Uh, hey, I've had a really, really long day. You know, I deserve fill in the blank. That's probably your dominant sin, right? Um, and so I think it's a good, helpful test of our own hearts as we think about the sins that we gravitate towards. Do you have a favorite sin that needs put to death, that needs battled against? I know as I was going through these, certainly you can pick out the sins that I struggle with more. And uh, he also, as we look at this list, encourages us not to look at it and go, hey, I'm doing pretty good on X, Y, and Z, not so good on this. Um, that's not the purpose of this list, right? We can all work in all of these areas towards Christ-likeness. But there may be some that we particularly struggle with more or need more attention to mortify. Um, I have these bolded not because they're more important, but because they're the last that we covered. So... Um, we're going to go over those. I understood that when I was gone in December, I think uh, Tim led a review and he kind of got to some of the earlier ones. Um, so we're going to focus today on reviewing just these last couple that we've gone over. And then we're going to think through that to give you just kind of a reminder of what we've gone over. Um, and then I would love to hear from you <coughs> after that. So these are, um, I'm just going to call them flashcards. <laughs> um, just really quick and they're not, I'm not meant to go, I'm not going to go deep into these because we already have. But these are just really quick. I'm going to put up four of the ones that we just talked about and just really quickly rehash, hey, where have we been? Uh, what are some of the key things that we discussed just to refresh our minds? And then that'll, I, I think, make for, make for more fruitful discussion. Because I don't know about you if you're asked like a large, broad question, like what's your biggest takeaway from the last three months? Um, that's kind of hard to, to hit, you know, out of the blue. So let's hit a couple things that we've talked about. Judgmentalism was what we covered first, and this was wrongly passing judgment on others in the spirit of arrogance. And then we kind of parse out what's, um, what's the world say about judgmentalism, and then what does the Bible say about judgmentalism. And I think one key thing that we talked about was judgment is not wrong when it's discernment, when it's rooted in the Bible, right? We are actually called to be discerning. We looked at Matthew 7 about taking the log out of your own eye uh, before you take the speck out of your brother. We looked at that and we said, it's not that we don't take the speck or offer to take the speck out of our brother's eye. It's that we take the log out of our own eye first. So Christ isn't saying don't use discernment uh, lovingly. He's saying... Uh, that we must be discerning, but we have to do so in humility. Um, and that we're not judging, especially things that are just issues of preference, right? So we talked about that a little bit. Um, some of the roots of this sin that we talked about are assuming the role of God. Um, you know, I have the right to judge what you're doing. And we're putting ourselves in the place of God. And as we talked about, that's the heinousness of this sin. Really, at its root, is that we are 
claiming to be God for other people. Um, you're not driving in the way that I think you should drive, right? Um, you're not doing this certain thing if it's your spouse that, that I really think you should do, right? Uh, that's judgmentalism. It's a elevating preference to the level of biblical truth when it shouldn't be. Um, and we've seen that in a lot of different ways. We parse that out. Some of the branches of this where it can go off into is obviously gossip or slander. This isn't an exhaustive list, but those may be some of the more common ones. And we talked about really coming back to the truth that the Lord is judge alone. Only he has the power to lift up those um, and, and put down those uh, that deserve it. Uh, he is the true righteous judge. We see that all through scripture. And uh, praying for discernment, for biblical discernment, and dying to things of preference. We talked about all of those as we battle. Uh, sins of the tongue was another one that we covered, and this is any speech that tears down another person or manipulating or lying or boasting for self-serving purposes. And the roots of this we talked about is all manner of sin, right? Because we hear all through scripture, the tongue is, or the mouth is a gateway for what's going on in your heart, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so really what's going on in your heart is what's coming out of your mouth, what we see. So it's a good test for us to know what sins are ruminating in our heart that are coming out. Um, And so the sins of the tongue are particularly prevalent. We looked at a lot of warnings against them. Um, And one of the ways that we talked about battling this sin at its root is 1 Peter 2.23. Remember our Savior, when he was reviled, did not open his mouth in return. So we have someone who actually, at that point, was probably the only one that could have justly opened his mouth against someone else because he was wrongly being crucified He was the only person to ever live a perfect life on this earth. No one could accuse him of anything, and yet he remained silent before the people that were falsely accusing him. And so we talked about encouraging others in this truth as we battle the sins of the tongue at the heart. Um, The next one, I told you these are going to be quick. This is just a quick refresher here. Next one is uh, lack of self-control. We talked about how um, definition, a governance, or prudent control of one's desires, cravings, impulses, emotions, and passions, moderation in legitimate desires, activities, that would be like recreational activities, and absolute restraint in areas that are clearly sinful. And we talked about this from a biblical perspective, uh, some of the roots, laziness, indulgence, maybe feeling owed something, self-pleasure. Um, And then some of the branches. And then we looked at some solutions. Uh, Self-control is not for self at all. Where where the worldly culture may say that self-control is a virtue or a self-betterment, that's far from what the Bible teaches us about self-control. Self-control is about glorifying Christ with the body that we've been given, the mind that we've been given. It's also not asceticism. We looked at that. It's not denying ourselves over and over and over again so that we can be more feel more holy like it's not monasticism putting ourselves in a monastery away from the culture so that we are apparently more pure that's not it at all Um, it is a uh, self-control for the purpose of glorifying christ so we looked at that we looked at how 
filling our lives with Christ is the absolute way towards self-control. It's like Pastor ended his sermon this morning. Uh, we, we have to be looking at Christ. We can't do spiritual navel-gazing. I know use that term a lot. That's a Lloyd-Jones term that he coined uh, in one of his sermons. But uh, if we are only looking at our navels, if we're only looking at how bad our sin, how bad, how awful, wow, I'm, I'm just, you know, this is awful, then we're not joying in Christ. <laughs> so we must look to our Savior and take joy in him. And that's how we talked about battling self-control. And then lastly, envy was the last one that we uh, did. So this one might be a little more fresh, but this is the painful and oftentimes resentful feeling that we get when someone else enjoys an advantage, perhaps over us, but maybe not even over us. We talked about how this is just enjoy, or, um, just being envious of something not even materialistic, but that they're just stealing glory away from me. Um, so there, that's the sin of envy. And then we parsed out jealousy, uh, the intolerance of rivalry. Didn't spend a whole lot of time on that uh, for lack of time. But the roots here, we talked about being a lack of trust in God's perfect distribution of gifts. If God perfectly distributes goods, material goods, talents, wealth, all of these things, who are we to say that we didn't get enough of X, Y, and Z, and they have all of that, right? We must come back to this, that the, lo- the Lord is the perfect distributor of goods, that he is the sovereign distributor of goods, and that he's the perfect judge. And then we looked at Psalm 37, which, again, if, if this is one that you particularly struggle with, envy, uh, Psalm 37 should be a just a complete immersion. Um, it is all about envy, and it's all about battling that at the root. And one of the key things that keeps coming out in that psalm is delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And so uh, that is what we talked about with battling that. All right, so I know that was probably a, a really quick sip from a fire hose, but uh, that's where we've been. We've gone over all of that. We've talked about it. We've had some great discussions. Uh, but now, hopefully that maybe jogged some thoughts or memories or things that maybe we've been working on. Um, now I would love to spend some time just allowing us to encourage each other. Um, as we've put this into practice, as you, as you have put this into practice, what are some of the main takeaways, conclusions, um, or even verses, truths that you've battled with? What does this look like in the past few months for you? And uh, what can we share? <clears throat> excuse me. What can we share with each other to encourage each other as we continue to battle? So I just want to open it up here uh, for discussion. So what what have you got? Yeah, Laura. I have, I guess, more of a question. I've been uh, struggling with, like, um, uh, I guess, um, frustration. Um, so, like, okay. My question is, um, how how to how to how to address like balancing having like contentment and acceptance of a, of a situation versus like trying to like do something about it or like like so like for example maybe in the workplace like you've been given a job responsibility that makes you feel like you're being sent over the edge 
um, how much are you willing to just, okay, I just, I'm whatever, put my head down, grind it out, um, mm. and like be able to just accept it and then find contentment within it? Or at what point is it, I don't know, I guess, and I, and I think that my conclusion has been, I guess it's just, it's still my heart of things, like I can still try to make the situation better or make it work, but like am I still willing in my heart to like, be content, but I don't know. That's just that's one thing I've been struggling with. And yeah. Mind hearing any advice on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. My mind goes to two places, and then I'll let others chime in as as needed. But I think that is a huge dilemma. One one place my mind goes to is Acts. Um, it's kind of a uh, maybe a unique example, but I think about Paul um, is actually told that the that his ship is going to wreck. And he's actually already told by the Lord that everyone on the ship will be saved. However, we see right after that, even though Paul has the knowledge of God's sovereignty in that situation, he, he basically takes charge and tells people, gives orders on the ship to save the ship. So far from being like a laissez-faire attitude, like, hey, God already told me the ship is saved. Kick back, everybody. Everyone's going to be saved. We actually see a both and there. So he's resting in God's contentment, and in that case, his unique revelation, which we don't have. Um, but I say that, I think, maybe as an encouragement that you're already thinking in the right way. Um, yeah, I think it is a both and. It's a resting in our hearts, but also still fighting for those conditions that might bring about either a better situation or things like that. Um, the other is Philippians, obviously, the, the verse passage on contentment. I think speaks on that as well for chapter four. Um, but any other thoughts on that? I think that's probably something we've all, it's, I know it's something I've wrestled with. You're, it's not a unique thing. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on that from others? Just one idea is um, in my life, I, whenever I, I, I ask myself a situation like that, you know, content on the one hand, am I supposed to be content? Or the question I ask myself is, can I do something? And maybe a branch of that is, do I have a responsibility to do something? Hmm. And if I can or have a responsibility, then I think we should do. But if we can't and we don't have a responsibility, then maybe that is, hmm. for me, that's worth it. Sure. Yeah. How do I know when to just you know, put my head down and smile my way through it? <laughs> more than a conqueror, even though it's not the way I would like. Yeah, great. Amen. That's the first thing I was going to mention, just distinguishing what's our domain, our responsibility, versus what's not. Mm. I mean, obviously all of it's sort of God's <laughs> domain, right? But there are things that we, we're held responsible for, things we can do something about, things we can't do something about. Mm. And so where there is something we can do something about, it's appropriate for us to do something. But the next point is that even in those areas, they need to be bathed in prayer. It's easy for us to pray about the things we can't do anything about, right? The things we can do something about, at least, I'll speak for myself, my tendency is to get after doing it and forget to ask the Lord's help in that. Mm -hmm. And then another piece is the very fact the Lord's brought it into our life, and there may be a delay if we are able to do something about it until we can do something about it, until that, whatever it is, the problem can be removed that there's going to be a need for us to respond rightly to that, mm. right? Even yeah. if we're working toward resolving something, we're still tempted to grumble about it, complain mm. about it, to think that the Lord's doing some injustice to us or there isn't injustice being done to us, and then to keep coming back to God's providence, mm. right? This is not here. 
simply because God wanted to test my resolve to get rid of it, but because he wanted to transform me, he wanted to shape me through this. And so whether, if it's appropriate for me to work toward removing it, it's removed quickly, nonetheless he had a purpose for that period of time. And so just really, I'd even go so far as using the word embrace, like embrace that. That doesn't mean you don't necessarily work against it, right? But embrace it as this was a good thing, however ugly it looks on the outside in God's good design, it's a good thing for me that this thing's happening because it's humbling me, it's teaching me to trust the Lord. I don't know that we have to totally distinguish either I work to get out of a situation or I embrace it as something the Lord sanctifying me through. I think yeah, both can yeah. be held together. Yeah, amen. That's good. That's really encouraging. Yeah? Um, Cody quotes uh, John Piper. Um, I think I'm quoting it right, it's, but it's been helpful to me in this scenario. Um, he says, work your hardest, but don't trust in your work. Mm. So you trust in the Lord's work. Yeah, you still yeah. put in as much work as you can. Amen. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, good reminder. Yeah. One thing I've been thinking about recently is part of the Lord's prayer, like the way it's phrased, is lead us not into temptation, ask when you move for that. And that's helped me a lot to go, not just praying in the moment, like, okay, maybe I asked my boss for something just, and they didn't give it to me. But like, even going into work being like, Lord, could you help me, like, respond correctly to different things or if I have a feeling something will feel the way I think it will like Lord could you help me to respond to that with contentment yeah and that's that's been a really sweet sweet thing amen yeah that's a good reminder yeah absolutely what else Other main takeaways? I've got some more. I've got some more questions, so don't worry. <laughs> I was just say here, lest I forget. Could you send those like little cards? Yeah. Like, summarizing that's like gold. Yeah. Like, send yeah. that and have that sent out with the prayer request. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yep. that'd be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so those were some of the ones that I had there. Um, this may get. A, a little more specific, and maybe this will be easier to answer. Um, so let's go here. Um, one of the ways that we can cross-examine sin, you know, picture putting it up on a, you know, in a in an actual courtroom and and cross-examining it uh, with questions. Uh, good questions cut, you know, to the to the depth of this. So I think these couple questions can help as we cross-examine sin, and we can really insert any sin that maybe we've been thinking about in the place of envy. I just use envy because that was the last one up there. Um, but what habits, what perhaps daily habits or weekly habits, what habits in our life are giving opportunity for envy to grow? And how can we change these or how can I change these? And as you think about this, i just give you an example. Uh, one struggle for me is always how much and how to use social media um, it's very pervasive. It's easy, you know, for me. Uh, one of the ways the Lord convicted me in this is like, hey, I've been spending so much time and this is causing envy in ways because I'm seeing things that as, as my eyes see them, I desire them or I think, hey, I need to have that or someone else's life has that. Why, why doesn't mine? And it's just putting myself in a place where it was, it's not a good situation. It's not breeding in me anything that's fruitful. 
Um, and I'm not saying that to say that social media doesn't have its uses. We can obviously redeem the use of social media as well. Uh, but for me, that's the area that Lord really convicted me in as I've been going through this is, you know, how are you using that? And is it breeding this in you? Is it is it cultivating this sin in you? Um, so one of the easy ways, you know, is to change those habits um, or change some of those things so we're not putting ourselves in that position. Um, so any other thoughts on, could be envy particularly, or maybe a, an area that the Lord has been working for you on in this series? Yeah, just really quickly, um, Bobby, is I think in Romans 12 where Paul says, we for those who eat, you know, that's, that's where I think that we kind of naturally, like for most of us at least, have kind of have a, a drift toward that. That's kind of almost intuitive. But to rejoice for those that rejoice um, has been convicting for me. Mm-hmm. So when when something's going really well for someone, like actually genuinely being happy for them, yeah, yeah, um, and fighting for that, I think that's a battle. It's not like that sometimes doesn't come natural to us, but but genuinely pausing and saying, hey, "Bless the praise the Lord that yeah. things are going well for that person." Yeah, so that's a great thing, especially as brothers and sisters of Christ. So. Yeah, yeah. That's just been very convenient for me lately. Yeah, that's good. So that pair, right, like contentment about our own circumstances, even if they're not ideal, and thankfulness for the good things in other people's lives. Mm. Like those, like the thankfulness piece comes together, at least with regard to envy. So I just tease it out, right? Someone's struggling, they've got a rough marriage, and then you see someone else where you, you just get the glimpse, right? It's like social media, right? You get a glimpse mm-hmm. of them in action, this couple, and it seems like their marriage is wonderful. The mm-hmm. temptation is envy. Yeah. But like the, the way to battle that is contentment about one's own situation. That doesn't mean um, being passive when there's responsibilities to do something to improve the marriage, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. insofar as you're doing those things, trusting the Lord with that and contentment. Yeah. But then also the ability to be thankful, right? To turn around, and that's wonderful to see with the way the Lord's redemptive work uh, can make uh, a marriage look like that yeah. and be able to rejoice in that even while you're lacking that thing. Mm. That, if you can do that that's going to cause envy to wither pretty quickly mm. Amen. what a good word yeah. excellent what else how's the Lord been working in your life through these things I just yeah. want to say thank you very much for the study because even that question what habits are giving opportunities like that phrase, if you will, it's like making me self-aware of habits. When my mind is in that neutral state, what am I dwelling on? What is what is the the I don't know? Is is it a sin that I'm dwelling on, or is it God's goodness and um, His like benevolent love towards me? And so, just bringing that to bear. Yeah, I think the. The clear doctrine of total depravity through the study rose exponentially in my mind. Going, wow, like I'm just so sinful. Like I, mm. I drink it like water. I can't get away from it. Yeah. Um, but then the grace of God also grows as well. Just like He's just so good. He's just so mm. sweet. He led us here to a place of good shepherds. So as a like culminating whole, this has been very, very good. Yeah. Amen. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There have been areas where I think I, 
like irritability. So that was one the Lord put his finger on in my life. And it wasn't like I learned anything new as much as the Lord just used the teaching, coming back to those texts, thinking about it, to identify all these areas where I tend to be irritable. Mm. But then there were other areas that I don't think I was even like noticing. Like, yeah. I was almost flying ignorant of what I was doing. Yeah. And one was, I remember the exact language that Bridges used, Paul, you might be able to help me out here, but uh, under the sins of the tongue, was it the slander category where he just helpfully said, even if you relay something that's true about someone, but it doesn't need to be said and it puts them in a bad light, like that is slander. And I think mm-hmm. the fact that it's true makes it so easy to share. Yeah. And just pulling up and thinking about how often, like, even I come home from work and share with my wife, like, oh, here's some highlights from the day. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you like, even get, like, these, like, with my wife, these tendencies where, like, you, you, together as a couple, you view people in certain lights, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like that person that's, <laughs> together you view them as more of the adults, right? So here's the stupid thing they said today. <laughs> it's like you share right, that yeah. because it's kind of like, it's like the ethos of just, what do they say, right? Yeah, yeah. And then just realize, like, there's no need to say it. It's not helpful. Mm-hmm. And so the big like change in my mind yeah. was I have an obligation, like casting you know a blanket over people's sin. It's not even always sin mm-hmm. that's unhelpful to share, mm-hmm. but just do what I can to encourage people and to put them in the best light, like yeah. drop their good aspects. That's what the Lord does for us, right? He, yeah. Yeah. He's always encouraging. He doesn't just constantly bring out what we're doing poorly about. Yeah. He covers over those things. Yeah. And so having that Christ-like attitude toward others in how I talk about people to others. Yes. And that's been something that I just, through the teaching, have come to realize just how prevalent that is in my life. Yeah. Even just this past Tuesday, I came home at the end of the day, I was reflecting on my day and realized I thought about a particular conversation with the guys in pastoral training here where I just shared something, a story I had heard mm-hmm. about someone and something they had done that just wasn't very, it wasn't helpful. Yeah. And realize this Tuesday, I need to go back to them when they're all together and apologize for having said that because it was slander, something the Lord forbids. And but my point was just that was something. Just if I'm sharing yeah, about the ways yeah, the Lord's yeah. worked this in my life, just realizing even though it's true, it doesn't need to be said. Yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah, that was that particular one was very convicting for me as well. Just how am I using my tongue? I think that that chain of three questions, whatever it was, it was, is it true? Probably shouldn't be shared. Is it necessary? Even if it's true, is it necessary? And then I think the last one was, is it kind? You know, is it, even if it's even if it's uh, true and maybe necessary, are we putting it in a way that is kind towards other people and charitable? Yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah. Other takeaways or. This kind of flips the tables on our sin. And um, something we haven't brought up a whole, whole lot, but we are called clearly in the Bible to be living as examples. We're also called to not make our brother or sister stumble. And so one of the ways I think that as as we deal with these in our own lives that we also have to be cognizant of is, are there things that I'm doing that are tempting others towards this sin, especially in light of marriage? Um, am I making my spouse jealous by doing anything, either purposefully or inadvertently? Um, by what I say, post, do, um, am, I, am I breeding that in this person I love? Um, and, and that's something that I think is a really helpful 
acrostic, a good diagnostic of how we're dealing with this. Um, because maybe we're dealing with it in our own lives, but we're also saying, hey, look how great my life is uh, in all these areas. And I think it's wonderful to you know, share news. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if we're sharing it for the reason of receiving praise, <laughs> um, you know, or making others look on us with envy, uh, that's clearly a wrong motivation for sharing anything. Um, and so, you know, what are some areas in, in your life and my life that we can realize this? You know, are we, are we tempting others towards these sins that we're also trying to mortify in our own life? Um, so that may be another helpful question. Um, and, and this may, again, it may not be envy, but um, what truths have particularly stood out to you uh, that you've used to battle whatever sin it may be? Um, envy, sins of the tongue, uh, unthankfulness, anxiety. Um, I know you talked about that last time, but we can bring that up again. What have been, what's been particularly helpful for you that, that you can share as you have battled these um, or just particular truths that have stood out to you through the series? I think a lot of these sins have out the root. I deserve pleasure in this way or that I deserve whatever it is and to just preach to yourself no you you don't deserve anything in fact you deserve hell and that's that's what um, that's the only thing you've ever deserved and Christ took that for you so I now have an obligation to obey him because I was bought with a price my body is not my own I don't get to act like God and and choose what um, I always want to put into that body or I always want to do with that body. It's it's something that I need to preach to myself so that I don't get tempted to do any one of these sins. Mm. Yeah. You know, just know. sins of the tongue. It's not my tongue. Christ bought that tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lack of self control in terms of for me a big one is not working out. There's I have a full calendar every single day of the week, and I know that I waste a lot of the time in that calendar that I could be spending doing something um, to to make myself healthier. But I will preach to myself, now you deserve a break because you were so busy all the time. And to know that, no, my body is not my own. Not only is it bought by Christ, and I'm to take care of it for him, but he's also given me a wife child to take care of it for and that needs to be at the front of my mind otherwise I almost go into that autopilot mode of I don't even think I don't even think actively yeah I deserve this but that's just my go to setting as deserving of anything yeah yeah. that's super helpful always keeping the total depravity in mind but then as you said just God's overwhelming grace that he's redeemed that tongue he's redeemed that body yeah Yeah, good reminder other reminders yeah
same substance, and um, but Jesus, like his first instinct was to empty right, himself. And, and that's, that's definitely been something that has been a reminder for me. My first instinct is usually like self defense <laughs> and like yeah. self preservation. Yeah. But Christ, like when we look upon Christ and his example, it's to empty. Yeah. And to put off Amen. Our, our habits. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so sweet. In fact, I think I was reading. I think it was John Piper uh, this week, and he was talking about, and I found this to be true. Just how quick we are to think: if I don't take care of myself, nobody will. And it's just kind of that natural inclination that, like, I have to serve myself first because no one else is going to love me enough, you know. <laughs> and then we have to go back to to that. You know, we we have the example of Christ we have been bought by a price we, we go back to those truths and go no God has demonstrated his love fully and finally in the cross and that's where my identity is now and if we will be elevated he will be the one to elevate us for Christ's glory uh, but, but we're taken care of that's a good reminder Amen. yeah thank you yeah. I want to add to that as well I was reading a book by Andrew Murray last night called Humility and uh, in the book, you know, he, he talks a lot about that. Um, the root of humility is to recognize that, you know, we are called to empty ourselves of ourselves. Like, I am not my own, um, and anything that I can do that is good, that is helpful, that is encouraging, that is all the grace of God in me. And I think that was helpful for me, too, because in this culture, we um, emphasize success, we emphasize... Um, jealousy, and it's so easy, um, I think even in ministry, to, you know, look at people that um, have the gifting of God over their lives, and maybe their ministries are more successful or not, but just to recognize that it's not the vessel. The vessel is not the thing that we should be worshiping. It's the Spirit of God, and it's the gifts of God that He has provided individually for, um, uh, for me and for you. That is that's where the power is. And so for me that was helpful because I kind of reframed um, the idea that, you know, I am not special. <laughs> the grace of God in me is what is powerful. And if I can um, submit myself to that and humble myself and remove, you know, everything about me from me and just, in, and just um, you know, search for the power of God through the word of God, he will use me in whatever context he wants me. Um, yeah. And so for me, that was helpful. Yeah, yeah thanks for sharing. <laughs> it's good. And you know, Bobby, just echoing that, I think it's a general observation that it, it comes down to um, the word of God and the power of the word of God in our lives and that we all need to know the word of God. We need to Know, to absorb this word, to battle with what's going on there, because then we can think, well, I'm doing it. 
but it's God's word. And then uh, a verse that's been speaking to me recently, or a passage uh, that is pretty prominent, not probably most, let me read it. Uh, it's uh, Jeremiah 9, uh, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. But the, but the word of God is crucial. I mean, you have passages like Psalm chapter 1, 1 through 3, uh, Psalm 119, yeah. 9 and 11, the battle these uh, Proverbs has so many mm. scriptures that help us battle everything that we're talking about here. Yeah. So it's just it's so foundational that we know the Word of God. Amen. Yeah. Well, I'm going to conclude here um, with just kind of a, a couple concluding thoughts. Um, another one from Milton Vincent. I think one of the first things that we, we always have to turn to, just echoing what you just said, Mark, is to fill our hearts and minds with the love of Christ. Um, Milton Vincent said, Indeed, as I perpetually feast on Christ and all his blessings found in the gospel, I find that my hunger for sin diminishes, and the lies of lust simply lose their appeal. Hence, to the degree that I am full, I am free. And I just think that's such a, a great statement. As we feast on Christ, for the love of Christ controls us. Uh, we love because he first loved us. And he who is coming to me will never hunger, and he who is believing me will never thirst. Um, it's a continual feeding on Christ. It's not a one-and-done meal, right? We feast on Christ every day. And um, I think that is the main thing. I had a couple other things, but for the sake of time, I think we'll wrap us up. Um, we obviously take that, and then we mortify sins. So um, we spill the lifeblood of our sins with the gospel as we battle. So um, just take that to heart. And um, it's been a great series. Um, thanks to Paul. Thanks to everybody who contributed. And um, it's definitely helped a lot for me, I know, as well. So um, definitely uh, don't stop here. Use this as a springboard to continue to grow in Christ. So let me close this in prayer. And then we will um, wrap up. Heavenly Father, um, we bow before your throne. We thank you so much for the work that you are doing in this class, in Koinonia and in Timberlake, in the local church, that you have promised, Lord, as the perfect vine dresser, that you are always pruning perfectly. You never have an accidental stroke and cut off an accidental branch, Lord. You are the perfect pruner. You've guaranteed that we will grow in Christ's likeness, and I just thank you for this. I pray that you will use um, not these sessions, but use your word, use the encouragement of the body as we grow together, use spouses, that we would all hunger and feast on Christ. And as we do so, that we would grow more in his likeness, Lord. Just um, cultivate that hunger in our hearts. Let us see more of him. Because it is to his praise and his glory alone. And we thank you for this. And we just pray that he would get the glory even today. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.